I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at RAINNetwork.com. On the back of high oil prices and record natural gas prices in 2022, ExxonMobil, Chevron, BP, and the world's oil supermajors reported record profits in their recent earnings calls. The high returns from oil and gas production is leading some companies to double down or re-emphasize investment into oil and gas in lieu of the energy transition in response. Here to give us insight on the matter and what to expect next is Matthew Bay, Senior Analyst at Rain. Matthew, with annual earnings reporting season almost over, what changes and announcements related to the energy transition have some super majors made? Yeah, the big announcement is that BP, which a few years ago announced some of the biggest and most aggressive uh, investments into the energy, energy transition, actually backtracked on them. So, for example, um, they announced that they would increase investment um, into oil and gas projects by um, up to $8 billion over the next eight years. Um, they announced that they would no longer be targeting to cut their oil production by um, 40% in 2030 from 2019 levels. That's a sizable amount for a company like BP. Instead, they will be targeting scaling that back by um, to 25%. Um, accordingly, they announced increases to their um, outlook for emissions. They announced um, all kinds of things related to that. Um, while they're not going away from the energy transition, um, it is at least reinvesting or refocusing on on oil and gas. Um, while I think BP, just because they were a little bit more of the more aggressive oil companies already, had more to go back for, even other companies like Equinor, which is a, a Norwegian company, um, also kind of made an announcement they were really going to be stressing the need for a balanced energy transition. So we do see right now a lot of these companies looking at those high profits and you know, looking at ways to go back into oil and gas, recognizing that in some ways um, the world probably does need um, more investment into the upstream oil and gas sector, despite the energy transition and everything associated with it. Uh, what are some of the factors pushing BP and others to focus more on oil and natural gas? Yeah, so obviously the, 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 the financial returns with, with oil prices is pretty high. And natural gas prices even higher um, are, of course, the main factor that is, is, is leading them to try to have valuation for the shareholders, etc. Um, but it's also worth noting that there's been criticism um, of some Western oil companies, at least around their pace of, in, or I guess the West at large, around the pace of investment into the oil and gas sector. Um, for example, um, the head of uh, Saudi Aramco last week did say that um, he is concerned about lack of investment in the oil sector, um, leading to potentially chronic shortages of oil and gas, which would then lead to price escalation. Um, so I think there is a realization right now, at least that um, in the medium term, when I say medium term, I am thinking, you know, through 2030 in the, in the context of, you know, the long term energy transition, um, that natural gas and oil are going to be a key part of the energy mix. Um, that's something that President Biden said in the State of the Union address. Um, and right now we are seeing oil companies trying who, who in many ways may have adjusted too much, or at least that's the accusation is that some of the companies uh, may have adjusted too much going towards um, the, the energy transition. And now we're seeing a recalibration back as a kind of you look at more reality approaches when it comes to, well, right now oil and gas is relatively expensive. Um, it's generating high returns. Um, so it does make sense from a corporate structure to actually invest more in there in, into that direction than they maybe previously had decided to. And how are they balancing that pressure with the pressure from pro-sustainability investors and lawsuits from activists? 
Yeah, so that's going to be the big challenge um, going forward um, because it's not as if some of the drivers that led them to take those aggressive positions in the first place are really abating. Um, we are, could see, you know, another record highs when, when it comes to the annual, or, or it's not record highs, but at least recent highs uh, when it comes to the highest record uh, temperatures in the world, global temperatures. Um, that's something that we're still likely to see, you know, keep on, you know, creeping up over the next few years. We're likely to see all kinds of environmental disasters and more um, scientific evidence at least linking either the frequency of these disasters or, or extreme weather events um, or the severity to uh, climate change. Um, so a lot of that pressure that's coming from these real-world implications um, as well as the the activist investors and shareholders that are pushing them to make uh, and evaluate some of the um, impact of climate change on their business strategies and their business portfolio, um, that stuff's still going to continue. And we are likely to see in the upcoming proxy season, so basically when the shareholders have uh, are, are able to table resolutions um, that others vote on, we are likely to see some sort of a backlash where um, some of the more active uh, invest, uh, activist investors table more aggressive shareholder votes around some of these issues. So we, w- we could see definitely um, more you know, aggressive recommendations around, uh, for example, having more explicit targets around scope three emissions. Um, so scope three emissions are really critical for the oil and gas sector because those cover emissions um, that are not only produced by the companies themselves, but also uh, emissions that are produced by those consuming their products. So like, you know, for example, if I'm driving my car, um, my emissions generated from burning BP's gasoline would be something that would be counted for BP's emissions in that scope three category. Um, so there's still, still going to be a lot of that kind of pressure, and it's only going to be growing moving forward. Uh, how do you think anti-ESG activists and governments will also pressure the super majors? Yeah, and, and that's kind of the other thing that's been happening over the last couple of years is that we've seen kind of the opposite backlash where there are, at least here in the United States, a growing concern generally among conservatives, but not only among conservatives, um, that this is not this is going too far to the point where um, companies like a BP or whomever uh, may be not fulfilling their responsibilities uh, as a company to maximize shareholder value. Um, so we are seeing a lot of these... Uh, um, proxy votes, we're seeing, you know, opposite directions of, of, of proposals where you have anti-ESG focused investors who are t- tabling similar resolutions trying to um, basically go in the opposite direction and prevent um, these companies from making uh, more aggressive commitments on climate change related issues and energy transition related issues. Um, here in the United States, it's also becoming a growing political issue when it, you talk about um, some Republicans in power, particularly now they have control of the House. We are likely to see more investigations, not only really into the oil and gas sector itself, but also um, sectors that are associated with it. For example, the financial sector, where a number of companies are now saying, or sorry, a number of asset managers are now saying that they are aiming to reduce investment into new fossil fuel projects or something around there. Um, that is something that is going to lead to a lot more criticism on Capitol Hill and something that, you know, is likely to be a major political issue here in the United States as we run up to um, as we run up to 2024 elections. For example, the head of one of the companies that's been the most active um one of the most active uh, activist investors into the anti-ESG space, um, the president, uh, the leader of that company, the founder, um, actually announced that he was running for president um, earlier this month, you know, showing that, you know, that issue is likely to resonate to some degree with some voters. He's, he's of course, banking on that. But it's one of those things that we could definitely see um, gaining more traction um, um, within the Republicans, especially as more established people like, for example, um, Governor DeSantis out of Florida, um, who has been making, you know, anti-ESG and anti-woke, the, the concept at large, a big part of his overall political strategy.
Well, it certainly seems like there's a lot to watch out for. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Emma. Matthew Bay is a senior analyst for Rain Network. Learn how geopolitical events like this could affect your business with Rain Intelligence Briefs. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes, all for a fraction of the cost you pay yourself. Sign up at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thank you for listening.